أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Dear brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 12 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program We ended on page 54 of the Holy Quran and so that is where we will begin inshallah today Page number 54 says, love of Allah equals following the Prophet. So um, it's not too hard to fall in love with Allah. The same way it's not too hard to fall in love with anything that's beautiful and has beautiful qualities. Okay. Uh, the thing is that love is of two types. Sometimes it's one way, sometimes it's two way. And so we want to make sure that the love of Allah that we have is a two-way love and that He loves us back but there are conditions or there's one major condition to that that this page tells us about. So let's read the verse inshallah and then discuss it. This is verse 31 of Surah uh, Al-Imran of Surah to Ali Imran. Um, it reads, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Say, if you love Allah, then follow me. Allah will love you and forgive your, you your sins. And Allah is all forgiving, all merciful. So one thing that comes to mind right when I see this off the bat is that um, it doesn't make a big deal of the fact that we love Allah. I mean, it's, it's great that you love Allah, you know. But the verse isn't making a big deal out of it. It's not saying like, oh wow, good job, you've come this far or anything like that. Like, well, duh, you love Allah. Everyone loves Allah, yeah. Um, as if, that's what it's saying, as if. Um, and so that's not the hard or the important part, it seems. As I said, everyone loves beauty, everyone is inclined towards good, towards beauty, towards virtue and merits and so on. So that's not the hard part to fall in love with Allah. I always say this, it's not, it's not hard to, for example, fall in love with Imam Hussein salam, with the Holy Prophet and things like that. No, because these, uh, these personalities, these individuals are a manifestation of some of the greatest attributes uh, that one can have. And so a person will naturally be inclined towards them and will be in love with them. Uh, so the problem is, as I said, we have two types of love though. Sometimes you love somebody or something and it doesn't love you back or they don't love you back. This happens all the time with celebrities, right? They're, they've got so many fans and of course they'll say, we love all of our fans and stuff, but no. <laughs> when the time comes, you'll notice that no, they're not too in love with all their fans. There, there will be some difference there. Um, they'll like some more than the others, they'll be closer to some more than the others. Now why am I using this example, alright? Or let's not even talk about celebrities. Anybody that you are in love with, that there's somebody that you really like a lot, okay? Is that cool guy in school that uh, you want to be a friend of and you, you really like the guy, but the guy just doesn't like you back, you know? Um, you are so interested in somebody for a marriage, let's say. Um, the problem is, <laughs> she's not interested in you, <laughs> right? This uh, is not good. This hurts. This uh, 
This is something that bothers people. The fact that you love somebody, but they don't love you back. Um, and so we don't want that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want the other type of love, where the, as much as I love them, they love me that much, if not more. That's the best. It's, it is a blessing, brothers and sisters, to be loved by others. We have this in our du'as, where, I don't remember exactly where it was, but where the Imam, he is asking for, I think it might be in uh, one of these famous ones, maybe to, towards the end in Ziyarah Jama'a Kabira when you're doing du'a, maybe there, somewhere else maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, where you say, Mahboobatan fi ardika wa samaik. Oh Allah, make me mahboob. Make me beloved in the, in, your, in the heavens and earth. Yeah, or in your heavens and your earth. Whatever the wording is exactly. Um, this is something that, you know, people like. We like to be loved. Let alone from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, everyone loves Allah and even the people in this life, brothers and sisters, the people in this life who don't even care about God, don't even know God, but they're after all the pleasures of life, they're all after all the nice stuff in life, the flashiness that life can offer and so on. They don't know it themselves, but you know, our scholars explain that these people, they are after fulfilling that urge and need of the perfection out there that can only be found in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As a matter of fact, the need and longing and pursuit of perfection and beauty and pleasure has been put in us, they say, so that we identify the real origin of it all, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So people in this life who are chasing different things, right, who could care less about God even, they don't know. Little do they know that they're actually trying to identify the best of all of this, which is Allah Himself, but they just don't know it. So everyone is in love with Allah. We just need Him to love us back. This verse makes it clear how Allah will love us back. Because there's a lot of people out there also that they take pride in the fact that they love Allah. You know, they say we love God. We look at His creation. We love, we love. We look at their life though. Are they as practicing of the faith as you would want them to be? Not necessarily, not you would want them to be, but Islam would want them to be? Not necessarily. Now, no, we're not making judgments here either. Allah is the judge. Allah is the one who forgives. Allah is the one who takes the Jannah. Allah is the one who does everything. But at the end of the day, we do have this verse, okay? We do have this verse, which is telling us you want Allah to love you back. It's true, you love Him, that's great and all of that. But look, what matters is, and what's going to be good for you, what's going to be cash for you in the Akhirah is that Allah loves you back. Not just in the Akhirah, even in the dunya. Allah's blessings for those who love Him and live up to what He expects of them, um, that He's going to give them in this life as well. He will bless them in this life as well, in one way or another. That's for sure as well. The thing is that this verse discloses to us the formula to make sure He loves us back. So let's go back to the marriage example, okay? There is some, some guy who is really into some sister, all right, or some lady, and uh, he wants to marry her and he really likes her. What's he going to do to make sure that she likes him back? Is he just going to do whatever, like be all disheveled and messy and, and stinky and stuff? He's going to comb his hair. He's going to, I don't know, wear, wear some good scents or something or perfume or cologne or whatever and all that good stuff, you know? We all know what it takes to impress the other, right? So he's going to do whatever it takes. He doesn't expect her to like him back 
right? And say yes to his marriage proposal after, you know, they've gotten to know each other more. Just like that. No, he has to do work. Yes? We find this everywhere. Even in the animal kingdom. <laughs> you watch some of these nature channels, it's pretty cool, especially these exotic birds, some of them. It's very interesting how the male courts the female, the nest he makes, the little dance it does. It's very interesting. And the, all along, the, the, the female is just sitting there watching him. You know, you feel really bad for some of these male birds. because You know why? Because after all he's done, the female just flies away as if nothing. Anyway, let's not get carried away. Let's talk about what we were talking about, this verse, what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, you want Allah to love you back? You got to do something. What am I supposed to do? قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ You love Allah? You want that love to work for you? You want it to be two-way? فَاتَّبِعُونِي The Prophet says, follow me. What do I tell you? I tell you this is wajib, this is haram. Follow my example of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah. Allah will love you because that's what's important. The fact that you love Allah, everyone loves Allah, everyone loves beauty. There's no, nothing, nothing uh, too you know, awesome about that. right? Everyone loves beauty. Everyone loves Allah in one way or another, whether they know it or not even. What matters is the يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah part. For that, Rasulullah is the example. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ In the Prophet you will find the right example to follow. And so here he's making it clear. It's not just, I'm going to be your example, role model in the sense of, you know, take from you that you like, that which you like, or you're, you, know, you feel like it, and that which you don't like, and you're not feeling, you don't have to. No, no, he's making it clear. The fact that I am uswatun hasana means what? Ittabi'uni yuhbibkumullah. Follow me, Allah will love you back. And there are no uh, qualifiers here. There are no restrictions made here. There are no conditions other than this, brothers and sisters. The only way Allah will love us back is if the Prophet is followed by us in example and everything. And what does he tell us? He says, do this, do that, stay away from this, stay away from that. That's what it is. So it goes back again to ubudiyah, it goes back to um, taqwa and observing all of which Allah wants us to observe in our daily lives. Those things that we take very you know, lightly sometimes, take them for granted sometimes. These are all those steps that we take that uh, that will cause Allah to love us back, inshallah ta'ala. Page number 55. A Tawheed lesson for Zakaria alayhi salam. Zakaria, he is an interesting individual. The Quran speaks about him to a good extent in the Quran, especially regarding certain parts of his life. Uh, one of those has to do with him and his involvement in the family of Imran or Alu Imran. And so, and that's why you can say that he, the, the verses um, have brought that story here. Because in this part of um, Surah Al Imran, it speaks of Zakaria and his involvement with Maryam. Now, who is Zakaria? Zakaria is the uh, husband of Maryam's mother's sister. So he's kind of like her, his, like her uncle in a sense, not blood related but the uh, husband of Maryam's uh, aunt, okay? And so it's a long story, Lady Maryam's story and how her mom gave birth to her and what her mom had in mind and how it turned out to be a girl instead of a boy, how the mother was upset and how the Quran says 
boys are not like girls, the male uh, is not like the female, and that's a very big praise actually in the Quran that, uh, you know, don't compare, it's as if it's saying don't even compare the two. Um, uh, that's, there might be different opinions on that part of the Quran, that's my opinion, what I shared with you at least. Alright, so now, um, he sees all of this, and then Lady Maryam is growing up, he will enter upon Lady Maryam, and he will see that she has blessings from the heavens, and food maybe, from the heavens that has come down to her by Allah. And so this is where he gets the feeling of, man, I, I, I wish I had someone that will succeed me, a child, because he had grown old, and he didn't have a successor, he didn't have a child. And so that's when he does dua to Allah. So let's recite the verse and then get into some of those details. Verses 38 to 41 of Surat Ali Imran. هُنَالِكَ دَعَى زَكَرِيَّا رَبَّهِ قَالَ رَبِّ هَبْلِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ ذُرِّيَّةً طَيِّبَةً إِنَّكَ سَمِيعُ الدُّعَاءِ فَنَادَتْهُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ يُصَلِّي فِي الْمِحْرَابِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكَ بِيَحْيَا مُصَدِّقًا بِكَلِمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَسَيِّدًا وَحَصُورًا وَنَبِيًّا مِّنَ الصَّالِحِينَ قَالَ رَبِّ أَنَّا يَكُونُ لِي غُلَامٌ وَقَدْ بَلَغَنِيَ الْكِبَرُ وَامْرَأَتِي عَاقِرٌ قَالَ كَذَلِكَ اللَّهُ يَفْعَلُ مَا يَشَاءُ قَالَ رَبِّ اجْعَل لِّي آيَةً قَالَ آيَتُكَ أَلَّا تُكَلِّمَ النَّاسَ ثَلَاثَةَ أَيَّامٍ إِلَّا رَمْزًا وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ كَثِيرًا وَسَبِّحْ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِبْكَارِ Translation says, Thereat, Zakariyah supplicated his Lord. So, something reached a certain point, and that's when Zakariyah supplicated his Lord. Did dua towards his Lord, and to his Lord, he said, My Lord, grant me a good offspring from you. Indeed, you hear all duas, all supplications. Then the angels called out to him as he stood praying in the mihrab. Here it says sanctuary, you know, his place of worship. What did the angels tell him or uh, reveal to him through revelation? Allah gives you the good news of Yahya. So they translate that to John. As a confirmer of a word of Allah, eminent and chaste, a prophet among the righteous. Okay, now there are details in these verses that I don't have time to get into and they're not relevant to the lesson we want to take from it. So I, that's why I'm not, um, I'm not going into them too much. But do keep in mind, if Yahya is the husband of the aunt of Maryam, that makes Yahya the cousin of Prophet Isa salam. And this is something that our Mufassirin have pointed out. Uh, the commentators of the Qur'an have pointed out. He said, my Lord, okay, so this is where the story, this is where the story begins of how Allah teaches him a, a lesson of Tawheed. He said, My Lord, how shall I have a son? So the angels told him, you're going to have a son. He says, My Lord, how shall I have a son while old age has overtaken me and my wife is barren? And usually people will have kids when they're younger. He said, So it is that Allah does whatever He wishes. Allah answered in this way. He said, Allah does whatever He wishes. كَذَلِكَ يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ مَا يَشَاءُ He said, My Lord, grant me a sign. He said, your sign is that you will not speak to people for three days. So they say that he couldn't speak for three days. His tongue wouldn't, wasn't working for to be able to speak with people. So he had to use some sort of sign language. Except in gestures, the Qur'an says. 
And remember your Lord greatly and glorify him morning and evening. Okay, so here Zechariah is asking a question. He's not questioning God again. Once again, this, this theme is recurring. Asking Allah for a sign. Asking Allah, how is it possible? Did Allah open it up for him and say, this is how I'm going to do it for you? Nope. He said, listen, don't worry about it. I do it the way I want, whenever I want, however I want. I'll do it. Don't worry. يَفْعَلُ مَا يَشَاءَ Allah does what He wishes. So he didn't open it up. Did Zechariah now question? No, that's it. All he said was, okay, can I have a sign now? I want, just like how we covered with Prophet Ibrahim's story, how he said, oh Allah, show me how you revive the dead. I just want my heart to be at ease. You know, when I see it, I believe it's just nicer for me. This is a blessing. Zechariah also believes, he knows that this is going to happen, but he says, show me a sign as well. This is like, this is so nice. Uh, and so Allah says, you won't be able to speak for three days except through gestures or sign language. And so he speaks to the people in that way. Now, there are some points here that we want to get out of this. Number one is the Tawheed lesson that Allah shows Prophet, Prophet Zakariah firsthand. Sometimes you hear the story, sometimes you are the main player or the main uh, figure in the story. Okay, The main character in the story. And so here he is the main character who is witnessing God in action. That his wife who is barren, and he is an old and feeble person, who usually these, these types of people won't be able to have children anymore, it's too late. All of a sudden he has a child by the name of Yahya. So here he sees firsthand. It's interesting how all of, I don't know if you can say all the prophets, but you will have major prophets in the Qur'an, their stories are mentioned of how Allah teaches them things like these, shows them firsthand. These are prophets, they are privileged at the end of the day. right? Allah knows who to choose as the prophet, and when that person is chosen, they do have, they are privileged. It's, it's no big deal, it's, it's something that's clear as day. Privileged at least to the point where that they get revelation from God, and other nice things like this. He sees Tawheed happening firsthand. Tawheed here meaning what? As I've explained before, meaning Allah being the main origin and source of all power, of all miracles, of all things that happen. Prophet Musa goes through similar cases. He has his own stories. Prophet Ibrahim has his own stories. We went through one of them where he uh, is ordered to uh, mix up the flesh and blood and bones of four different birds. We talked about this before. And then call them and they, are, they will be revived. Okay, so that is the Tawheed that we get. If you remember, I, I've, I've said that one of the reasons for this Qur'an program is for us to just go through a lot of area. Why? To see like what are the recurring themes of the Qur'an. Can you not see, brothers and sisters, how the Qur'an is making this point to us again and again and again through different stories and verses? That Tawheed, 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 all of everything is Allah, 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 Allah's will, Allah's power, Allah's uh, magnificence, and so on. So Prophet Zakariyah, good for him. He gets this Tawheed lesson firsthand. But there are some points here and intricacies I want to point out in these verses as well. It says, Hunalika da'a Zakariyah, after he had seen what Lady Maryam is experiencing and enjoying of divine blessings coming down to her, his, it's as if he was a little heartbroken. It was there at that point that Zakaria called unto Allah and Allah answered his call. This is very, very inspirational for all of us, brothers and sisters, because we will all have that moment in our lives, not even once, maybe more than once, 
where something doesn't go the way we want. We are heartbroken, you know? And so that is the time to call Allah. She said, no. Well, okay, no problem, fine. Let's see if there's anybody else out there. But like, if you're heartbroken, make the most of this opportunity. This is what it's all about. That famous hadith says it all. It says that Allah says, قلوبهم, I am with the ones who are brokenhearted. I'm listening. Now's the time to call on to me. You, you, you're, you're heartbroken because you thought that was where it's all at and that's what's going to help you. But no, it t- turns out that I'm the one supposed to help you. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to call me. Hunalika. That was when or that was where Zakaria called his Lord, when he was heartbroken. So let's, let's call Allah when we're heartbroken. When we want something but we, we, can, we don't gain it. When we lose something that we liked, this is the time. At least let's make most of that situation and develop a stronger relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instead of being like some people who use that as an excuse to destroy their relationship even more with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one. Number two, another nice point that's in here is that um, Zakaria, he had something in him that some might refer to as jealousy. But Islamically, that's not jealousy. In normal, you know, layman's terms, when you say jealousy, what do we mean? We mean, like someone has something, I want it too, I'm jealous of them. That's how some people might, you know, understand this notion of jealousy. But Islamically, that's not jealousy. Jealousy, the bad jealousy that you can have is when someone has something, and we talked about this before as well, I think it was, I think it was on page either... 17 or 13, um, it, was, it, was, um, it was titled Jealousy Destroys. So um, the jealousy that's problematic in Islam is the jealousy that you see someone have something that you don't have, you, you, want, you wish it for yourself, but at the same time you wish it's destruction in that person's hands too. That's problematic. Or else just wishing what others have, this is something actually that might be good sometimes. And the term ghibta is used to refer to that in Arabic. Here, Prophet Zakaria sees the blessings of Lady Maryam. He wishes that for himself too. This is a prophet of God, by the way. Yes? He does dua. He does what he's supposed to do. He doesn't wish that she doesn't have it anymore. He's like, I want something like this too. What a wonderful uh, youth. What a wonderful individual this Maryam is. I wish I had a child like this. Right? This is kind of like, this is my wife's niece. I wish I had a child like this, you know? And so he's, he's asking Allah. And Yahya السلام, was one of the wonderful prophets of God. And he has his own story. Another point some, uh, some people have pointed out, which is, which is nice, is that it says that, look, this uh, lady, look at how righteous and pious she was, that she has an effect on a prophet of God, subhanAllah. So this idea of, uh, male versus female and all that kind of stuff. Listen, there are differences, there are different rulings for them, all that kind of stuff. But look, when it comes to what matters, we're all equal. How obedient we are to Allah, that is the measuring stick. The Quran says the most noble in Allah's eyes are the ones who listen to Allah more. The ones who are more God-weary, they are more obedient servants of God. She is a very obedient servant of God, dedicated to that temple that she was dedicated to, doing whatever she needs to do. And so she, it reaches the point where she has an effect on a prophet of God, right? While all the other males can't do such a thing. So it's not about male, it's not about female. A female can have an effect, a male can have an effect. Whoever is more close to Allah, 
that person has more of that measuring stick that matters. Yes. So that is the criteria. Nothing else really matters. That is something the Quran is pretty clear about. Page number 56. Page number 56 says, uh, there's one straight path, one word, ubudiyah. Okay? So, Every day in, in Salat, we're saying إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Right? That's what we're saying in Salat every day. We, in our du'as, we ask Allah to be on the straight path, to remain on the straight path, and all that good stuff. Yeah? But what is the exact straight path? What constitutes the straight path? It's cool because the Qur'an itself has mentioned what constitutes the straight path. And that is something that you can call ubudiyah. Now there are some details, once again, that we need to discuss. So let's recite the verse, and then we'll get to those details. إِنَّ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبُّكُمْ فَاعْبُدُوهُ هَذَا صِرَاطٌ مُسْتَقِيمٌ This is a short verse, and that's why it's just one word that constitutes the straight path. It says, Indeed Allah is my Lord and your Lord, O people. So worship Him. This is a straight path. So look, here it says worship. The translation says worship. And that's what I want to talk about, inshallah, okay? Is it accurate for us to say worship necessarily or no? I want to start with the example of shaitan and Iblis. Okay? Iblis, he did a lot of worship when he was up there with the angels. He had a lot of ibadah, they say. But he didn't have ubudiyah, according to uh, our scholars. Ubudiyah means to be a slave, to be a servant. What does a slave, what does a servant do, brothers and sisters? The only thing that he or she will do is say, is see what the master wants, and then listen and obey. That's all that they do, right? They're not supposed to ever go against the wish and will of their master. In Arabic, we have a verb, abadahu. Abada means, when you look it up in the, in the books, it says, ata'ahu. The definition is ata'a. Ata'a means obedience, to obey. So in this verse, it's saying, inna allaha rabbi wa rabbukum hadha siratun mustaqim. Allah is my Lord, He's your Lord. So, u'budu, the verb u'budu comes. I like to translate it like this, that be an abd of Allah, which means be an obedient servant of Allah. An obedient servant of Allah, what do they do? They do ibadah when they're supposed to. They do work when they're supposed to. They spend time with their family when they're supposed to. They have recreation when they're supposed to. They do everything within, within the confines and framework of Islam. That's what they do. And Allah's satisfaction. That's what they do. That is the straight path. Now if you look at the verse before this, it says, Fattaqullaha wa ati'un. Prophet, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes, Isa السلام, he's speaking to Bani Israel. He's saying, have God-weariness. Have fear of Allah and ati'un. Obey me. You see, he's talking about obedience. إِنَّ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبُّكُمْ فَاعْبُدُوهُ 
Allah is my Lord, your Lord. So be obedient servants of His. That's a, that's a good context clue that what is meant here. Or I'll give you another context clue. So what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, is let's not translate this to worship Him. Worship didn't get the job done for shaitan even. Worship, if it falls under servitude of Allah and being a servant, obedient servant of Allah, that's great. Okay? That is what really matters, to be an obedient servant. An obedient servant sometimes worships, sometimes does other things that Allah wants from them. Alright? So, this is in line with the purpose of our creation, this understanding of the straight path, which is a path of obedience of Allah. What do we have elsewhere? وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Surah Dhariyat, verse 56. That Allah says, I only created the jinn and mankind for one purpose, to be لِيَعْبُدُونَ To be abds of me. Once again, this is my understanding of this and I've seen scholars uh, explain it like this. No, it's not that the purpose of creation is for my worship. Yes, maybe the highest level of servitude of Allah is worship. There's no denying that. But if someone's just worshipping God, but then sinning throughout the day as well, that's not going to be enough. We all know that too. So all in all, we are supposed to be obedient servants of Allah. Another verse that you know I might even use later on if we come across this verse and take a lesson from it, although it's, it'll be repetitive, but it's so important, is in Surah Yasin. أَلَمْ أَعْهَدْ إِلَيْكُمْ يَا بَنِي آدَمْ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينٌ وَأَنِ اعْبُدُونِي هَذَا صِرَاطٌ مُسْتَقِيمٌ Did I not make an oath with you, O, o, people, o children of Adam, that don't worship shaitan? لَا تَعْبُدُ الشَّيْطَانِ He's your enemy. He's a clear enemy of yours. Question, brothers and sisters, question. Were the children of Adam like actually doing worship of, uh, of Iblis or shaitan, like praying to him? bowing to him, prostrating to him. No, that's not the case. Throughout history, even during the Prophet's time, you don't have um, cases and accounts and reports telling us that people were doing sajda to shaitan. They were doing sajda to the idols, but they weren't saying we're doing sajda to the idols because they represent shaitan. No one's worshipping shaitan throughout history. Yeah, you have uh, devil worshippers today, like it's a thing here and there, but like all in all, this is not a widespread matter. It's talking about what then when it says La Ta'budu Shaitan means don't be an abd of Shaitan, meaning what? Meaning follow him blindly, whatever he wants from you. Like an abd does, like a slave does. But then the verses go on. The verse or the verses go on. They say, Wa'ani This was the oath. This was the covenant that you are my abd. This is the straight, this is a straight path. So to conclude from all of this, brothers and sisters, this is how important obedience of Allah, being an abd of Allah, an obedient servant of Allah is. This is how important it is because it is what makes up the straight path. The straight path that at least 10 times a day we're saying, اِهْتِنَ al mustaqim. Yeah, twice in every salat. 2 times 5 equals 10. This is, the straight, this is what constitutes the straight path. So we have to be careful. It's not just worship. It's more than that. It's obedience. And obedience will, and will, will have worship in it and will have a lot of other things in it. If I get angry at my parents, me being an abd will dictate that I still keep my respect towards them. 
Yeah. Me walking in the street, something haram comes up, I have to look away. That is also part of my ubudiyah, being an abd, being an obedient servant. I look away. I don't listen to this thing. I don't listen to that ghaybah. I don't say this. I don't do that. All of this constitutes our ubudiyah. And when we have ubudiyah, we are on the straight path, inshallah. Other than that, we're not on that straight path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, there are different opinions. There are different opinions sometimes in regards to the tafsir of this verse. But as I said, there's other verses too that bring this verb and they're not talking about worship. They're talking about just uh, uh, following and obeying. And So I think it applies here as well. Page number 57. Just because you don't have a father doesn't make you God. So um, we're getting closer and closer to that story of the Mubahala um, that we all know of, which is uh, verse 61 of Surah Ali uh, Imran. Um, a group of Christians and Nasara came to the Holy Prophet and there was a dialogue that took place between them, a debate that took place between them. Their argument was, that uh, Jesus is maybe Lord or son, of the, or son of God because he has no father. So that makes him the son of God. That was their argument. A verse in the Qur'an is revealed to refute this argument. And so let's see what that verse says. It says, and this is verse 59 of Surat Ali Imran. It says, إِنَّ مَثَلَ عِيسَىٰ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ آدَمْ خَلَقَهُ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Indeed, the case of Jesus with Allah is like the case of Adam. Like for Allah, these two are very similar. Why? He created him from dust. He created Adam from dust, then said to him, Be, and he was. That's all it took. So, these uh, Nasara, these Christians um, who came to the Prophet ﷺ, who are debating him, their argument was that uh, Isa ﷺ doesn't have a father, so he must be the son of God then. God is his father, for example, or he is deity himself. Deity himself. The Quran, look at, look at what it says here, this is pretty cool. If Prophet Isa didn't have a father, Prophet Adam, did he have a father? No, he didn't. Plus, he didn't have a mother either. <laughs> so, what are you going to call him then? If Prophet Isa is a god because of just not having one of the two, what if there's somebody who doesn't have either of them? Like, is there anything higher than God that we can say here? Like, he must be that then, Prophet Adam. No, brothers and sisters. The verse says, very easily, Okay, uh, that uh, look, relax. Prophet Adam also had a similar case. It, it's not about it's not about whether you have a father or not. That doesn't mean anything in the dictionary of God. It doesn't mean anything for you to become a god now because you didn't have a father. No, all it shows is that God used His special power of kun fayakun in regards to you. A special takwini command they call it. Yes regarding your creation. One of those special kun fayakun commands of God was used to make you. 
Prophet Adam was made from dust. And the reason why he came into existence was because of the kun fayakun authority of Allah. Well, that same authority, that same command of be and it is, Allah used it for Prophet Isa. If it's going to be hard, it's going to be harder for Adam who doesn't have a mother or father and is coming from dust versus Prophet Isa who's coming from a human being at the end of the day and has a mother but doesn't have a father. So look, this argument is flawed. And so what we get out of this is that uh, the best way to argue when it comes to matters of faith is to use these, uh, the, same, the, the common ground that everyone is on, the, the presumptions that everyone has. The, 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 the Christians who came to the Holy Prophet they believed that Adam didn't have a mother and father. So what did the Qur'an do? The Qur'an used the same exact argument. Now, the same exact thing they believed in as an argument against them. Finally, here, because they're not Muslim, because they don't believe in Allah or the Qur'an the way that the Muslims do, Allah doesn't use the argument of, because I said so, no questions asked. He might use that argument for us as Muslims sometimes as a test for us. If you remember, we had a page that talked about uh, usury and interest. I think it was yesterday um, or two days ago um, where uh, the Qur'an said that, look, the Muslims ask you, O Prophet, they tell you, look, riba is, is the same thing as trade. What's the difference? We're, we're agreeing on both, you know. The, the, the parties involved in the transaction are agreeing on any, on both in both. So like, what's the big deal? The answer was, I made one haram, one ma- made one halal. No more explanation given. But you know that I'm God. You know this Qur'an has to be followed. You know the Prophet has to be obeyed. That's enough. I'm not going to tell you more. But here, no, no, no. Allah explains to them. Right? He says, look, this is why. And so for us, we have to, it seems, when it comes to people who are from another faith, from another uh, denomination of a faith, we have to know how to discuss or else we won't yield the fruits that we want to yield from that discussion. But that brings us to page now um, 58. And that has to do with the post-Mubahala time. Okay, What happened after Mubahala? On page 57, right, um, I didn't go through the story um, of Mubahala because the story of Mubahala is a famous one. Our brothers and sisters all know about it. Um, there are certain lessons to take from it. How high, how great those individuals the Prophet brought with him were for Mubahala. Namely, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib salam, Fatima al-Zahra salam, and al-Hasanayn salam. It just shows how great they were, that these are the only ones he brought. He didn't bring any of the Sahaba with him. He didn't bring any of his uh, wives with him and so on. Although he had said, Nisa'ana, we will bring our women. He only brought Fatima Zahra salam. It shows that, okay, these individuals were very, very high individuals. To the point that you can't do what you did in Karbala, for example, to Imam al-Husayn. Right? You can't. He's one of these individuals at the end of the day. And so on and so forth, okay? There are lessons to take from that. But um, because brothers and sisters already are usually aware of all of that, and we have lots of lectures on those, I wanted to talk about this lesson here now. Both the previous one about Prophet Adam's creation, and then this one that we're going to talk about on page 58. So the story goes like this, that once um, 
These Christians, they came, they debated the Prophet. The Prophet brought arguments against them. They did not accept. Then the Prophet did mubahala with them and they um, opted out right before the actual mubahala was going to take place. And for those of you who might not know, mubahala means when, you know, when there's two parties that have argued and exhausted their arguments and one side is just being a little bit too stubborn in accepting the truth, what you do is, okay, let, you say, let's come together as two groups, let's ask the Lord to send His curse upon the ones who are lying. فَنَجْعَلْ لَعْنَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْكَاذِبِينَ Verse 61 of Surah Ali Imran talks about this story. So the Prophet, first the arguments weren't working. Then he said, okay, let's do mubahala. If you really want proof, let's come together. Let's, you call the Lord, I, we will call the Lord. And whoever is not accepting the truth out of stubbornness, whoever is lying, things like that, let's ask the Lord's curse to be upon them and let's see who was telling the truth. Okay? So what happened was they all came together and then the, the Christian group and delegation opted out of this when they saw who the Prophet had brought, according to history, what history tells us. Alright, so the arguments didn't work. Mubahala didn't work. So now what do we do? Do we fight each other now, like get at each other's, at each other's throats and, and so on? No. What happens is that we have to now coexist. So let's recite the verse and get into the details. Verse number 64 of Surah Ali Imran. قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهَ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَقُولُوا اشْهَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Say, O people of the book, come to a word common between us and you, that we will worship no one but Allah, and that we will not ascribe any partner to Him, and that we will not take each other as lords besides Allah. But if they turn away, say, be witnesses that we are Muslims. So this is the last stage here, to coexist and to at least acknowledge the common grounds that we have between us. Okay, why not? So I find this to be one of the very, very key verses in the Holy Qur'an when it comes to interfaith dialogue, when it comes to intra-faith dialogue. Number one point that we get out of this, like all, all in all what we get out of it is that we can coexist, we should coexist with each other. We should be able to you know, sit down and talk to each other. And of course you will find there are people out there, there are scholars, Muslim scholars out there who are doing certain things like this. Having that interfaith a dialogue uh, that needs to be there, and and explaining our stances on things, our faith, uh, you know how our faith works and all of that. It's beautiful. Anyway, but look at the little points that we have in the wording of this verse that help us in this lesson that we're talking about here of coexisting. It says, "Qul say ya ahl al kitab." So the, the Allah subhanahu wa taala is telling the Holy Prophet say this. So brothers and sisters, who's taking the first step here? Who's taking the first step? Now, in that situation, the Holy Prophet was in power. Um, from what I remember, that these Christians, they were living in the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, they came from Najran. And so they're not 
they're not, they are the minority and they are the weaker ones now. But what does the Qur'an say here? It says, O Prophet, this is what, what, what we want you to do. Tell them to come. Let's sit down and talk. So you didn't accept the truth. We feel that you turned away from it. You don't have a, a, a justification for that. But now that you're not going to accept Islam, right? at least let's figure out what we can agree on and, and agree to disagree on the rest. What we can agree on is this. So uh, the Prophet is taking the first step towards this peaceful coexistence. قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ Another thing we get out of this is that, okay, if you don't get all of what you wanted, don't just do takfir and call everyone out and go against everybody. And No, no, no. See what you can achieve. If you're not able to get 100%, at least you can get 80%, at least you can get 50%. And this itself is a form of tabligh and preaching to at least fall back on the, on the common ideology, common uh, worldview that you have with people of other faiths. And at least celebrate that together, you know? Which here is the most important thing, which is Tawheed. It says, let's at least agree on this, that we are going to worship Allah and Allah alone, and we're not going to ascribe partners to Him. Yeah? And all of this is with respect. Now, if these people turn away, فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا If they turn away, what are we going to do? It's not going to affect us and the way we, and our take on uh, the haq and truth. We're going to still remain submitted to the truth. You see it says, فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا If they turن away and they're not even interested in this much, فَقُولُ اشْهَدُوا Tell them that, okay, you guys can watch us at least be submitted to the truth and be Muslims. بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Alright, so that's one. Another one is, فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا If they turn away from you, what are you supposed to do? Now like go fight them and stuff? It says, if they turn away, okay, then don't worry about them anymore. Worry about yourselves. And sometimes, you know, when I have an argument with my Muslim friend even, right, I will go to the point of, like, it's as if I'm being suffocated. It smothers me, the fact that he's not accepting what, I, what I'm telling him. When they don't accept, if they don't accept, then that's fine. You tried your best. That's how much wadifa and responsibility you have. Why are you going out, out of your way to, this, to the point where you feel like, it seems like that person's akhirah, your akhirah depends on that person's akhirah. Sometimes it's just our ego and arrogance, brothers and sisters, to be honest with you. The fact that we are so obsessive and so insistent on making sure that, that, that this person follows me and what I'm telling them. Oh, don't worry about it, whatever. And so here I'm going to end with this. It says here, That we don't take each other as lords. Like the question is, is that the case though? Were, were, were they worshipping each other? Um, what's going on here? Now there are some opinions here, but there is a story that you find in a lot of tafsirs mentioned. And that is a person by the name, by the name of Adi bin Hatam, or some might say Uday bin Hatam. He was Christian and he had turned Muslim during the time of the Prophet And he asked the Prophet about this verse. He says, look, um, you know, this whole thing happened with the Christians of Najran. But um, I want to. I just want to let you know that when we were Christian, when I was Christian, it's not like we were worshiping our people and taking them as lords or something. No. The Prophet said something to the effect of this, brothers and sisters. Uh, it's it's uh, slipping my mind the exact wording. But he said something along the lines of 
Well, these people, were they not following their superiors, their priests and monks and all of that, and following them in, in, in any falsehood that they were preaching to them? And so Uday or Adi, he says, yes, that is true. That was the case. He says, okay, when you obey someone, you are, it's as if you're taking them as your Rabb and your Lord. And this, once again, goes back to what we were talking about in our previous pages when I was talking about how the straight path is one of obedience to the point that if you are obeying other than Allah, whether it's shaitan, whether it's your nafs, whether it's someone else that is going against Allah, you are taking them as your Lord now. It's as if. So the straight path is one of obedience, brothers and sisters. Right? We have another verse that says, Have you not seen the one who... اِتَّخَذَ إِلَٰهَهُ هَوَاهُ Either it's اِتَّخَذَ or يَتَّخِذُ إِلَٰهَهُ هَوَاهُ وَأَضَلَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ Have you not seen the one who takes his Lord as his nafs? Well, is he worshipping his nafs? No. He's obeying his nafs, his carnal or her carnal desires. And so that makes their nafs their Lord as if. So, you know, I'm just going back to that page and this is also an extra clue that shows us that the straight path of Allah is one of ubudiyah, of being an obedient servant of Allah. Really, really, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us that opportunity to be an abd of His, a, a submissive servant of His, no matter what the world does. Whatever else you guys are doing, you're doing whatever, but know that we are submitted to Allah. Allahumma nawwar qulubana bil Qur'an. وزين أخلاقنا بالقرآن ونجنا من النار بالقرآن وأدخلنا الجنة بالقرآن اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته